episode 127, Cluster Management like PB&J. Educators, is your passion tank running on empty? Look no further. Gretchen of Always a Lesson has a double dose of just what you need. Come fill yourself up with an empowering educators podcast to start your day feeling empowered. educators it's Gretchen here of always a lesson I'm loving that you keep coming back for more and more episodes you're holding tight onto that elite status every moment you spend time perfecting your craft and I've told you before podcasts are a great professional development opportunity so I'm just honored that you value this show enough to learn with me every week well I've learned another lesson and I can't wait to share it with you So let's talk about developing and or revising our cluster management practices so that our problems and solutions go together like a good old peanut butter and jelly sandwich. So let's reignite your passion and potential. Are you ready? Here we go. So the rationale for this episode, as I always like to tell you, a girlfriend and I were talking on Voxer the other day and totally got fired up about something. And I literally said, okay, I've got to make a podcast episode. And by the way, if you're not on Voxer, you have got to do it. It's a walkie-talkie app where you can talk to folks all over the world. It's just a great way to network and get inspired by amazing educators who you wouldn't have the pleasure of knowing because you don't live near each other. So anyway, my coaching slash edupreneur slash mini mastermind slash accountability partner, whatever term you want to use, she and I were talking. Just as we do every day, we check in about what we have going on that day and what we want to accomplish for our businesses. And a lot of times we share frustration and belly laughs about our day's events. And well, this one particular day, she was coaching in her school building and came across a few classrooms where there were some alarming classroom management solutions put in place. And I'm going to share with you two examples of missed opportunities for effective classroom management practices. And I bet you've been guilty of one, if not both of these, because I know I have. But here's the thing. These teachers aren't bad people. They're just making decisions that have a detrimental impact on students. So listen closely as I talk about them and then share tips on how to rehab these ineffective practices. Okay, scenario one. So my friend shared a photo with me of a teacher's written policy on an easel and it was about side chatter and off-task behavior. Well, needless to say, I lost it like when I saw this picture and, and so did she. And the consequence for off-task behavior was writing 100 plus sentences about not being on task or whatever. And we know and the research says that this repetitive sentence writing <laughs> reminds me of Bart Simpson. He used to have to do that in all his episodes, but it doesn't correct the misbehavior. Okay, so why is that? Well, it's because the problem and the solution are unrelated. The lack of connection is why the misbehavior continues and sometimes gets worse. So if this teacher wants students to be on task, writing sentences means they still aren't on task because now you're asking them to do this other random assignment. And regardless if they're doing it during class or not, it's unrelated. And by the way, what is off task anyway? You know, based on the photo that I saw of of this teacher's policy on the classroom easel, it wasn't defined. Now, listen, I have been mentoring and coaching teachers for some time now, and I know one of the major reasons why teachers struggle with classroom management has little to do with their content knowledge or their passion to teach. It all comes down to clarity. And if you don't set the expectation, no one can meet the expectation. 
So she would have said, you know, if you talk with your neighbor during the do now, that's considered off task. You know, that's a different story. Now the students know what they should not be doing, which is side chatter. But if you just holler at kids to stop being off task, like, what exactly is that? You know, is it fiddling with the pencil, talking to a neighbor, looking at their phone? Just call it out. What don't you want? But even better, I know in working with teachers that telling kids to stop doesn't fix the behavior. And most of the time, it makes them want to do it more. So we have to tell kids what to do instead of what not to do. And that's my favorite, easiest to implement technique from Doug LaMob's book, Teach Like a Champion. I know, I know, I talk about it all the time, but it's a game changer if you're just open to it. So any day, the Anyway, the what to do technique has solved so many problems before they even happen. See, the prep work done ahead of time ensures that the teacher knows what they want, and then the clarity ensures students know what the teacher wants and can actually rise to meet the challenge. So with this particular example, identifying what off task means is a must. And then redirect the behavior so students can get on task instead of saying, you know, stop that or don't do that or just say what the student needs to do. Track me, face forward, follow along in your text, uh, complete your do now silently, whatever. Which, another side note, quiet is not the same as silent. <laughs> there is a difference. And if you don't believe me, try using both of those words interchangeably one day and student behavior will show you the difference. That's another point I'm being clear. Your wording choice has a huge impact on the result of your classroom behaviors. Lastly, it's important to just assign an appropriate consequence for an infraction. And that's why I'm calling this episode classroom management like PB&J because peanut butter and jelly go together. So should your problem and solutions in terms of your classroom management. So let's recap this scenario. This teacher's not ineffective, but they did employ an ineffective classroom management strategy. Who knows, maybe they put peanut butter with ketchup or pickles with jelly. Either way, it didn't go. Yuck. Good luck with that. <laughs> Writing sentences 100 plus times is not the jelly to off-task behavior peanut butter. Not now, not ever. Well, didn't get any better. And my friend continued on her rounds of looking at other teachers teaching, and she saw another classroom with another classroom management attempt that was just as alarming. So scenario two is about, dun-dun-dun, pencils. And good grief, we are all guilty of being freaking annoyed and straight up PO'd about lack of pencils, lack of sharpened pencils, lack of usable pencils, whatever. Kids come to school barely remembering homework or their lunch or their backpack. And obviously a pencil is like bottom of the totem pole. So even if you use the strategy that I did, like with a sharp cup and a dull cup and students are swapping out the pencils just to kind of keep the lesson moving, it still doesn't solve the issue of students come to school unprepared. So this particular teacher refused to give a student a pencil and went on and on about being prepared and got herself all upset about it, you know, blaming him like a lazy kid, whatever. And to her defense, I'm sure some of that might be true. And I'm all on board about student ownership and responsibility. Trust me, it's a huge passion point of mine. But if we are in the business of educating kids, keeping supplies from them means we aren't doing our job. Now, another point that this teacher made is that they've purchased hundreds of pencils for their classroom. And I get that. I worked in a Title I school. My kids never had supplies because they couldn't afford them. And even with collaboration with local businesses, I still bought tons of my own supplies, you know, just so I could run my class the way I wanted. And pencils were constantly being purchased only for them to be gone like in a day. I'm not joking. I truly think kids eat them and I I'm just not sure why. Here's the problem where the PB doesn't line up with the jelly. The kid doesn't have a pencil, meaning he can't engage in the lesson to the degree that would be satisfactory for his learning to, you know, become successful. And that's the problem. So the solution is then to refuse a writing utensil to teach a lesson, like a life lesson, not a lesson in a classroom. 
And that's the problem. Setting all frustrations aside, when you're looking at the situation, we all know the PV problem doesn't have a matching jelly solution. They don't go together. In fact, the problem just persists. He can't engage because he doesn't have a pencil. Now he still can't engage because you won't give him one. So it's a lose-lose. It's a peanut butter problem without a jelly solution. And the problem gets bigger, the problem gets worse, never goes away. It's not worth it. Just give the kid a dang pencil or get up here to give him one or, I don't know, give him a tablet, whatever. Allow him to just participate because he needs to learn and be as engaged as possible. It's not about winning a war of who's right and who's most responsible. It's about helping kids all day, every day. If your solution is hindering learning, you are the problem, not the kid. You and sorry, that's harsh, but like, come on, get out of the freaking way. You yourself are the obstacle. I have heard some secondary teachers do some funny things with pencils. One swapped kids' shoes for pencils. He would say, you know, give me your shoe and I'll give you a pencil. And at the end of the class, return the pencil and I'll return the shoe. Well, let me tell you, no kid ever left the room with his pencil because that physical reminder of like a sock on one foot and the shoe on the other took him right back to the teacher's desk for this transaction. And the kids loved it. I mean, some were semi-embarrassed. You know, they had stinky feet or mismatched socks or whatever, and they never again forgot to bring a pencil. You know, I'm not for like embarrassing kids, but at this age of students and the way that this class was run, like as a family, I mean, there were some jokes and stuff, but the impact worked. So you would have to decide if that works for you. But my edgy buddy who I am talking to about this current issue, she shared her own solution. She made some obnoxious pencils, as I call them. <laughs> she got like large flowers and other items to adhere to the pencil. So it was hard to forget to return it. It's like those teachers on social media that make bathroom hall passes ridiculously large <laughs> so they don't get lost. Like big ginormous items kids have to like pull down the hallway. <laughs> that way they can't forget to bring it back. Well, the same with the pencil. Some kids don't want to write with this huge flower the size of their body. So they'll get real creative and resourceful and suddenly it'll be raining pencils in your class. And you can easily see a big old flower walking out of your classroom where if you don't do something obnoxious, then the pencil gets slid in the pocket and they honestly forget and there goes another lost pencil. So what I'm saying is I understand the frustration of buying materials and then seconds later running out. If you don't believe me, just ask any elementary school teacher about glue sticks my freaking nemesis, those dang things. I hear some of you laughing right now. You know it's true. So to recap, problem number two, no pencil to engage in learning. Solution, provide one. The way in which you do might look different depending on your class, but don't withhold one because it's not jelly to the peanut butter. The reason I'm bringing up these two classroom management scenarios is not to dog these teachers and be like, God, they're horrible because I see myself in each of them and I bet you do too. Well, maybe to different extents, but sometimes I let frustration get the best of me or maybe, you know, I was stubborn or naive. But a lot of times it was because my judgment was clouded in the moment due to my emotions. But if I would have just designed my classroom management approach clearly ahead of time, then I don't get to the point where I'm reacting to situations and getting emotional and making mismatched PBJ decisions. I already have a plan with a matching PB problem and a jelly solution, and I'm emotionally constant when teaching and enforcing them. You know, it doesn't mean I don't face the same problems, but I nip them in the bud because I am prepared to handle them. So what I hope we all learn from this, and I hope I'm not too preachy, but I just got so on fire about this dang thing, is that we as teachers have the power to create a safe place for learning. Every decision we make impacts kids. We have to design our learning space and vibe 
so that it encourages students to show up and apply themselves. And there is going to be roadblocks, and we have to expect them. Then we have to solve them. But we can't dole out consequences that have little to do with the actual problem because nothing gets solved that way. When it's an unrelated solution, the connection to a better behavior choice never reaches its destination. It's like conditioning students to do the opposite of what you want. They get frustrated. You get frustrated. It's another year lost and wasted in their learning journey. No one has time for any more lost learning opportunities. So your homework tonight is to think about your policies and procedures in class. Are they peanut butter and jelly? Or are they some random mix of slop? If you're realizing that making your kids sit out at recess or walk laps or write sentences is not working, it's because it has nothing to do with the root of the problem. Kids talk because they're bored or excited. So if they're bored, create more challenging activities. If they're excited, build in more collaboration. Use their behavior cues to adjust your teaching. They provide a ton of insight if you take it with a grain of salt and an unemotional lens. Students need to love learning. Students need to love learning, but more importantly, they need to be able to love learning. If your current classroom management is hindering the love of learning, then it's time for an overhaul, a revision, a revival, so get to it. If you need me, you know how to reach me, Gretchen at alwaysalesson.com. I got your back, and I'll talk you through it, but don't you go another day without that delicious peanut butter and jelly classroom management. All right, elite educators, that is a wrap for this week's podcast on ensuring our solutions to our classroom management problems are appropriate and successful. Now go out and be great because you've just been empowered. This podcast is a member of the Education Podcast Network, a podcast network that encourages you to think about your profession and succeed in the world of education. Whether you're a first-year educator or a seasoned veteran, there is a podcast for you. All of the shows are produced by educators who want to shape education through meaningful discussion and content. So head on over to edupodcastnetwork.com for more details. (laughs) 